Yes, VBS was awesome. Can we celebrate that? It was a great week together with some of your kids, some of your grandkids, some of your neighbor kids. It was outstanding. Happy Father's Day, dads. I got up this morning and I made a choice. I looked at my closet and I said, you know what, there are two days during the year I think I could wear this shirt. Maybe Super Bowl weekend would be one, Father's Day is one, and since it's our day, I figured I'm wearing it. I'm wearing the football shirt. Happy Father's Day, dads. Um, there's three golfers. Moses, Jesus, and an old man. Moses steps up to the tee box. I know this is a putter, but, you know, these are Bible heroes, right? And he takes a swing, and he launches the golf ball. It takes off with a bit of a slice, and it ends up in a water hazard. No problem. Moses walks up to the water hazard. He holds his golf club up. Have you seen the movie? The water parts. Moses walks in on dry ground, and he chips it up, and it goes up onto the green for an easy putt. All right. Jesus steps up to the same spot. He takes a swing at the ball. It launches up, and it goes again. It slices. You wouldn't think that Jesus has a slice. He does. And it ends up not in, but hovering on top of the water. It's Jesus, right? He walks over to the water hazard, and he takes his club. He walks on top of the water. Have you read your New Testament? He can do it. And he chips it up, and it goes uh, up onto, uh, right next to the pin, it's going to be an easy putt. The old man steps up. He takes a big old swing, and he slices. It's going toward the water hazard. It just is getting ready to go underneath the water. This amazing thing happens. The largest largemouth bass you've ever seen in your life comes up out of the water like, like, like one of those whales emerging from the water and flops over and grabs the ball right out of the air before it goes into the water. As it's getting ready to flop into the water, a hawk comes swooping down out of the air and like dive bomb missile things. This grabs this, this, this thing and starts doing these spirals up through the air, holding the fish, golf ball, inside the mouth of the fish. He gets way up above the pin, and he drops the fish, and it falls down, and the fish pukes the golf ball out. It falls and rolls, hits the flag, drops into the pin. It's a hole-in-one. And Jesus says, nice shot, Dad. Now, can we stop messing around and can we play some golf? <laughs> Happy Father's Day, dads. My favorite uh, statement about fathers, my favorite joke about fathers is it's not a dad bod, right? It's a father figure. So that's the title of today's message, Father Figure. We're aiming at what does it look like to be more and better as a father, father figure. I want to pit two sports, one against the other. We're going to look at golf. Some of you dads were given a golf ball. I hope all of you were given a golf ball by some cute girls outside the door there serving their church, serving dads by giving you a gift as you came in. I hope you have that. Hold that. We're going to spend some time interacting with that during the service. But we're going to pit golf against baseball. Before we do that, though, what would Father's Day be without a couple of dad jokes? Actually, I'm just going to share one with you because we can't handle more than one. My friend was showing me his tool shed and pointed to a ladder. 
That's my step ladder, he said. I never knew my real ladder. That's awful. Happy Father's Day, dads. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 2. If you are following along, maybe those Bibles that are underneath the seat in front of you, pull that out. I'm on page 330 of those Bibles. Before we go there, though, I'm stretching this sports metaphor out as long as I can. It started with my shirt. I'm on to golf. Let's talk about baseball. There's a church down the street, great church, East 91st Street Christian Church. They called us up one day, your staff team here at Venture, and there was a little bit of smack talking that was going on. We were challenged to a softball game against them. I found out somewhere in the middle of this that one of their staff played pro baseball. We don't have any of those on our staff team. We started gearing up, and actually we were a little bit worried about not embarrassing y'all and us. And like even the day before, we, we did some practice out here on the lawn, some batting practice, and we, uh, you know, did some fielding practice, and we showed up, and like, all right, we're going to give it our best, best try. Is it fair to tell you that we, uh, can I say this, we, we, we beat the socks off of them? Is that, is that fair? Because we did. 11 to 5, we won. It was awesome. We had a blast. They gave us a trophy. It's a traveling trophy. We'll bring it back and uh, put it up for contention again probably next year. But for now, it resides in your staff office, which is pretty cool. That day, we had so much fun. I pulled my phone out a couple times and took pictures and video, and I want to share this one with you. This is uh, our own Kay Wolford on our staff team. She hits the ball here, a great single. She's running toward first. Watch for Evan Schwartz on the left side of the screen. Here he comes. He's running. Oh, oh, he got tagged out. He's trying to steal home. And Evan, from this day forward, I think he's going to have a scar that he can use to tell his grandkids about this day because you think this is dirt. It's not. It's rocks. He had a nasty, nasty road rash there for a little while. But, but don't, don't feel bad because the very next at-bat, he stepped up. Check this out. He hit an out-of-the-ballpark, earned, not home run, grand slam. I happened to be on third base, so I had, I had a bird's-eye view of this as everybody got to round the base. I, I took off running, and I stopped because I didn't know if it was going to clear the fence. I thought I'd have to come back and tag up at third and then run home, and it cleared the fence, and everybody's cheering, everybody's screaming. It was awesome. <laughs> Skip ahead a couple of weeks. My uh, nephew, his name is, is Wyatt. Wyatt's a cutie. He had been reaching out and saying, hey, Uncle Sam, will you come and watch me play? My last t-ball game of the year. Of course, we're there. Down on the south side of Indianapolis, of course. Let's go and and root him on. And I got there, and he kept saying, hey, listen, um, dad said I can't slide into home until the last game of the season. But guess what? This is the last game of the season. I'm sliding into home. And so knowing that this was coming, I pulled my phone out at one point, and I happened to capture this moment that every little boy dreams of and Evan dreams of. Check this out. Over and over again, boom, 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 sliding into home. We can go ahead and finish that loop and see he stands up and dusts himself off. You see the smile, the little bit of pride there, determination on his face. He did it. 
I loved that night. That was so much fun to watch that, live vicariously through that little boy in his moment. Here's a picture of my brother, my baby brother, Chris, and uh, his family, beautiful family. This is Wyatt. This is Chris. He's, this is coach. This is player. This metaphor can fall down just a little bit. But I want to stretch that out if I can. There's something about baseball. There's something about that that I love. It's time together. It's backyard play and pitch and catch and practice and togetherness. Father, son, father, daughter, fatherhood. Skip ahead to this past Saturday. Uh, I was invited to join a crew of guys from our church here. There was a golf scramble and outing. Uh, Ides, one of our missions uh, group that we support, they were doing a fundraiser. And so the four of us went out and played. And let me just tell you, I was the low man on the totem pole on this roster. I was definitely number four in this game. These are very good golfers. And I was so grateful they let me play with them that day. And I, we had a blast. It was a gorgeous day outside. I had one or two shots that I was proud of. The rest of them, not good at all. Uh, but I had fun. But golf is a long day. I don't know if you're a golfer, but we showed up at like 7.30, didn't leave until 2 o'clock, maybe a little bit after that. And I just kept thinking, man, it's a beautiful day outside. I'm probably missing some family time here. I love these guys. I love hanging out with these guys. But if I'm grading this as a, an opportunity to parent well and to father well, again, don't put too much on the metaphor. I know plenty of men redeem golf in a good way. But this, to me, represented in that moment time spent apart from family. This represented time with, the be with factor. We just wrapped up a series on Ecclesiastes. We looked at King Solomon. My opinion, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to look today at his daddy. Monkey see, monkey do, like father, like son, right? Let's look. We've talked about Solomon. Let's take a step backwards and look at his dad, King David. There's two passages about King David's death that I find fascinating. And I just wonder if there's something here, some movement from here in your life to here in your life that we can invest in. Here's uh, one of the passages. This is a picture, actually, from my office. This is the passage I want to look at. I put this into my office like 15 years ago, and it's been in every office I've served since then. I love this verse. This is also in my office. I love this. My wife, Dawn, gave this to me, or it just kind of showed up in my office one day. And uh, I love you more then, and she signed her name down here, and every once in a while she'll erase it, and she'll put something else in there. Like it was a licorice for a while, different things that she loved. She's saying, I love you more than that. It's been Matthew McConaughey for a while now. But she loves me more than Matthew McConaughey, so we'll take that, right? Okay, so behind that, here's this verse. This is Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For when David, Solomon's daddy, had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. This is a euphemism. He died. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. Happy Father's Day, Dad. How cheery is that on Father's Day Sunday? There's a couple of things that I pull from this verse. Why I think, it, I think it's so valuable. By the way, David is referenced in this moment in the book of Acts in the birth of the church. 
Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches this powerful message. Over 3,000 people are baptized into Christ that day. The church is birthed. And this is a part of that message. A couple principles I'd pull from this. Number one, you have a God-given purpose. David had a purpose, right? For his generation, well, what, what's yours? Dads, moms, grandpas, grandmas. If you're a dad, if you're one of those that I just described, if you've got kids, well, this is part of your purpose, that God has given you a God-given purpose. So dads, today the action step, we're calling you to man up. Maybe there's some movement today from here to here. Second observation from that passage, you're going to die. You're going to die. So begin with the end in mind. Your purpose has an expiration date. So Carpe diem, seize the day. Don't miss out on today as an opportunity to move from here to here. Dads, when you've served God's purpose in your family, your workplace, wherever he's called you, you're going to die. You're going to be buried in the graveyard, and your earthly body will decay. The poet C.T. Studd put it this way, you only have one life, and it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Are there some things that need to be moved from here to here in your life, especially in the category of parenting? First Kings chapter 2. You've been holding it now for a little while. Let's go there. First Kings chapter 2. I think I said it was on page 330. Read with me. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. There's something in that that we need to tease out. I'm going to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong Act like a man. Well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to tease that out. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper. Every dad wants this for their kids. In all that you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Oh, there's so much there that we can unpack. I want to share with you kind of five principles that we pull out of that passage that I think are key, especially dads, in this move from here to here. If you find yourself, I might be investing in the wrong space, time, talent, energies. There's some movement that God would call me toward over here to be a better dad. I think there's five principles we can draw directly from this text if you're taking notes. The first one is this, drive toward death. I'm playing a little fast and loose. I'm being a little cute here. I'm taking the golf metaphor and I'm stretch, stretching it out. But drive toward death. You're aiming at something with your life, right? Because you know at the end it's inevitable. We saw this in verse 1. The time drew near for David to die. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. One of the guys that I golfed with last week, his name is Chris. He goes to our church. Well, we talked a, a lot about golf. We were riding in the golf cart together. Actually, we spent a lot of time with him coaching me on things I could, and I was asking, should do better. He's a really good golfer, and I kind of got a golf pro lesson right there. We talked a lot, though, while we were driving about his family. 
We talked a lot about his kids, his wife, his dad. His name happens to be Steve. He also goes to our church. And three themes came out as he was talking about his dad. We were golfing. I learned his dad loves golf. I already knew that. I knew that he really loves golf. Actually, his dad has, get this, nine hole-in-ones to his credit. Now, you get one hole-in-one, sometimes that can be a fluke, but nine, you are a good golfer. I also learned, and I already knew this, but I really learned it deeply, that his dad loves Jesus and his family deeply. He talked a lot about his dad, and he described how his dad used golf to invest in his boys and to point them toward Jesus. I loved hearing those stories. And at the end of the day, as we were kind of wrapping up our time with a meal together, it was a fundraiser. We had to announce the winners. He was leaving to engage. He had some kid ball games that night. I mean, he had produced mightily on the course, but I couldn't help in that moment think that the real and the valuable investment of his time on that Saturday began after he left the golf course and dove in deep with his family. There's a book I read years ago when I was a youth pastor. I love the title of it. It's called The Be With Factor. It's a primer for youth ministry. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to you as a parenting manual. But the whole point of the book is to say, listen, we spend so much time in our, we can spend time in our lofty towers and maybe in our offices planning to do stuff with kids. But are you doing it? Are you actually out there? Is there a be with factor? Are you mentoring kids? Are you spending time with students? Are you investing deeply in their life? The same would be true of dads. Listen, do we yell at them from a distance? Are we maybe even coaching from a distance? But are we in the game with them? Are we saying, hey, listen, that swing, let me help you with that. Hey, when you're going to catch that ball, maybe pop fly, don't catch it like this, but catch it like this. Maybe there's some coaching about life. Listen, I saw this happen with your friend the other day. Can I just encourage you, tell you a story about my childhood, something that I learned, and let me share this lesson with you. There's the be with factor. Dads, drive toward death. There's a phrase in golf, you drive for show, you putt for dough. It's true, but let's redeem that phrase, shall we? We're driving toward death. Begin with the end in mind and work backwards from there. That day I went golfing with those guys. I, I, I did not do great. I had one shot that I was fairly proud of. Um, it wasn't a hole-in-one. It was like the second shot as we were going. But I hit the ball, and if you gave me 100 more balls and had me do it 100 more times, I could not repeat this. But it went up, and it landed. It hit the flag, and it fell in the hole, and we all kind of cheered. And I'm standing there looking in disbelief. Wow, that was pretty cool. But here's the deal. A hole-in-one oftentimes is a fluke. But that actually is what you're aiming for, Right? I mean, you're trying to make the ball go, and that is what you're aiming for. Dads, listen, fatherhood is an endurance race. You're running a marathon, not a sprint. Aim, drive toward death. David wasn't perfect. But I would challenge you to start the race with the end in mind. Drive or maybe disciple toward death. Psalm 90, verse 12 says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Begin with the end in mind. Drive towards death. Our days are numbered. Let's make the most of them. Here's the question. Are first things first? 
I mean, do we spend too much time, dads, over here obsessing about some of these things when really it's this part of life? Drive towards death. At the end of your life, do not have regrets about this. At the end of your life, you're not looking backwards saying, oh, I wish I would have done less of this and aimed more over here. I saw a tattoo this past week. Maybe you've seen this image before. The tattoo says, no regrets. It, really? You don't have just one? Just, just one regret. I think so. Don't be that guy at the end of life. Oh, my goodness, I wish, I wish I would have invested more over here. You know what a mulligan is? Well, I don't golf enough to know all the rules of golf, but I know what a mulligan is. That day, uh, last Saturday, we, we teed off the very first shot of the morning. I step up, I take my driver, and I take my best baseball swing at it, right? I missed the ball, but the wind from the club knocked my ball off the tee. And I look back, and that group of guys, they're all kind of looking at their feet. <laughs> and one of them says, uh, I think you can just do that one again. I think, I think you get a mulligan for that one. Go ahead and tee it up again. The second shot wasn't better, much better than the first. At the end of your life, don't be calling for a mulligan then. Call for it now. Start with the end in mind, work backwards, drive toward death. Number two, second principle, moving from here to here. We pull straight out of this text. Verse two is where we grab this, and this one is signal strength. Signal strength. I'm about to go the way of the earth, he said. So be strong. Dads, we use this phrase some, don't we? Testosterone is a beautiful thing until we take it to its extreme and it become, becomes an unhealthy thing, right? What is biblical masculine strength? What, that mean? what did that mean according to David? I've been studying David's life the last couple of weeks gearing up for this message. Here's what it's not. I've got some things it's not, and I've got some things that it is as we think about signaling strength. What does it mean to be masculine, to be strong? Here's, here's what it's not. If you're taking notes, write these down. It's not aggressiveness without tenderness. Again, testosterone, good until it's bad. Aggressiveness without tenderness. David was a mighty man. Guerrilla warfare, right? He led a small army of, they actually were called mighty men. He was an aggressive dude, but not without tenderness. Oh, if you study his life, my goodness, I would point you no further than some stories about he and his best friend, Jonathan. We see some tenderness there. Some um, love for another human being. We look at a guy who wrote many of your psalms, and we see, we see poetry in motion. This is aggressiveness, but not without tenderness. You know what else it's not? It's not sexual conquest without repercussions. I'd point you no further than the story that culminates with the 51st psalm, where David in his heart cry to God says, a contrite heart you do not despise. He's pouring out repentance before God. Why? Because Nathan the prophet had walked into his courtroom and said, I know what you've done. 
God knows what you've done. You slept with Bathsheba. She's already married. You sent her husband, Uriah the Hittite, to the very front lines of the battle. You tried to have him killed, and he actually did die. You think you've covered over your sin, but God knows the child that she's expecting. It will not live. Sexual conquest, not without repercussions. David lived that. By the way, redemption happened after a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Solomon, we're talking about this dynamic between Solomon and his daddy, David. Solomon was Bathsheba's second child with David. I bet Solomon grew up hearing some of these stories. You know what else? It's not this strength that God calls us to lead through. It's not self-reliance without God reliance. There's this, there's this story uh, that I love. Oh my goodness. David is in this cave system called En Gedi. I've been there. And I can see in my mind's eye how this could happen. King Saul, he's crazy. He's chasing David and his mighty men. And David is on a run for his life. They end up holed up in these caves. Saul, nature calls. He has to use the restroom. He goes up to do his business, and in a compromising position, David sneaks up on him in the dark cave, and he cuts off the hem of his robe. A little bit later, he's outside, and he's a safe distance away, and he holds that up and says, says See, Saul, I could have killed you. Later on, his uh, men, his mighty men, are asking him, Why didn't you do that? In one foul swoop, you could have made this war over. You could have become king over Israel. And David replied with this reply, 1 Samuel 24, verse 6. He said, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed. Self-reliance, yep, I've got some of that, but not without God-reliance. For the Lord himself has chosen him, Saul. David could get stuff done, but he recognized that God was ultimately the one in charge. By the way, on this Father's Day, remember Solomon knew these stories. He was watching his daddy I was reminded of this principle this past week at VBS. Closing uh, night, Friday night, Joy was just celebrating that, and she was telling stories. And I was standing over on the side, and I'm watching the closing ceremony. Moms and dads are trying to get in, and I looked over here, and I saw an open space. There were two boys, five-year-olds. They were doing what five-year-olds do, right? One of them had the other buddy in a headlock, and they were bumping chests, and they were dancing around. And, and I don't know. I, wasn't, I just walked over. I was doing the dad thing, and I sat down between them. And I had one boy on this side, one boy on this side, both of them cute as buttons. And I just put my arms up on the back of their, their, their chairs. It's just, I'm tall. That's what I did. And then I crossed this leg, and I just felt something at some moment. I felt an arm on this shoulder. I look over, and one of the boys is doing this, and I look down just in time to catch him doing this. He's matching his leg to my leg. Monkey see, monkey do, right? And he's not my dad, and he's not my child. I'm not his dad. But they're watching us. They're watching what we do. They're trying to see what does it look like to be a man. I'm going to emulate that. I'm going to be like that. Men, signal strength. So what is it? What's it look like? Well, here's what it looked like. Leadership. Dads, are you leading your family? Is there something in that space you need to declare today? You need to call Mulligan. There's a do-over to move from this space to this space. It looks like blessing. Oh my goodness, David spoke a blessing at the end of his life over Solomon. 
The kind of blessing that would bring tears to your eyes. Dads, are you blessing your family? How many men are dying for approval from their fathers? I'm proud of you, son. If you've never read it, can I recommend the book The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley? It details for you how to do that in your child's life, how to bless them, send them off with a blessing. I would so encourage you to model that. Take that modeling from David and and, uh, Solomon and move from here to here in your life. Love. Dads, called to love your family. Hear me, David, the mighty man that he was, he was a lover and a fighter. If you don't believe me, read through the Psalms. Oh, my goodness, he speaks of his love for God over and over and over again. Sometimes we see it coupled together with strength. I'll show it to you in Psalm 18, verse 1. Check this out. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. This word fortress, it's the Hebrew word masada. Let me show you masada. We call it Masada today. This is a space in Israel. That space I was telling you about in the cave system in Gedi, that's at the base of this mountain. And uh, David would have been very familiar with this mountain, I'm sure. About a thousand years later, though, in Jesus' time, during the Roman era, well, one of the kings in the area that day, he put a fortress on top of this, Masada. Let's look at it from a different angle. You can catch a picture of the strength that's represented here. Strength, love, coupled together. Number three, if you're taking notes, we pull straight from this text. Model masculinity. We saw it in verse two. Act like a man. Well, what does a man act like? Well, let's see what the text says, right? I'm about to go the way of the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Here's how you do it. Walk in obedience to him. And keep his decrees and commands, his laws and his regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Keep, walk, observe. What does this mean? Dad, you know what this means. How many times have you looked at one of your teens as they're kind of puffing up and trying to display themselves and work their way into um, adulthood? How many of you look, times have you looked at them and said, when they say, why, why should I do that? You say, because I told you to. Since time immemorial, this has been the relationship between dads and kids. Let's turn the tables. You're a dad. You're a grandpa. You're also a son. You have a father. You have a heavenly father. Are you doing what he's said to do? He says, do what I told you to do. Model masculinity, model obedience, model respect toward authority, model active listening. There's a passage in Scripture. I I love this passage, and I want to read it in its entirety. And as you think about this, are you putting into practice what God has already told you to do? Is there something to move from here to there that's found here in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19? My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen. Dads, is there something here in the area of active listening that needs to be moved from here there. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. How are you doing with the anger monster? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil. Is there something that's filthy in your life that needs to be confessed before a holy God that's going to make you 
a better father once you've done that. So prevalent and humbly accept the word, God's word, planted in you, which can save you. Are you actively engaged in the word of God and letting it be a primer to coach you how to move from here to there to be a better father? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's absurd. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, this is God's word and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, do what I told you to do, they'll be blessed in what they do. Therefore, who, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Are you doing what he said to do. There's a lifetime of discipleship in that passage. Dads, how are you doing at active listening? How are you doing with the anger monster? How are you doing with filth in your life? How are you doing with Bible study? Is the word planted deeply in your heart? Are you doing what the Bible actually says? Are you modeling religion or relationship to your kids? Are you leveraging your God-given strength for good? Number four, provide prosperity. A lot of times we start here, right, dads? Verse 3, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. If you skip ahead in 1 Kings chapter 2 to verse 10, check this out. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He did die. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, 7 years in Hebron, and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Hear me, dads. One day, your kids will sit on your throne that you've established. Do you think about that? Will they be firmly established? Isn't this a father's desire? Listen, David set Solomon up well. One of the things he did was expand his territory, right? He did physically expand the territory of the nation of Israel, and he left that to Solomon. So many of us as dads, we want, right? It's a heart's desire of a dad to leave your kids better off than you were, and here's how we do it. Oftentimes, there's a pendulum swing that happens. Whatever happened to you in your life, you try to correct that, autocorrect that, maybe overcorrect that for your kids. How many self-made tycoons and uh, leaders of industry, they grew up with hard knocks, and so they shelter their kids from that, and they insulate them, and... It didn't work because they forget that this is exactly what made them who they are today. Be careful how you expand your territory. The other thing that we see David did for Solomon was he cast vision for spiritual growth and leadership. I'm thinking here specifically about the temple. David thought God was calling him to build a worship space in Jerusalem, the capital city that he's building and he wanted, he even kind of started the project of building the temple. And God said, no, no, you've got too much blood on your hands. This is not for you to do. I want Solomon to do that. The other thing that happened in that, David felt lost, but I bet Solomon, this was really good for him. It gave him purpose, a project. When David left him, he left him with the work undone, but the vision was cast. We're going to do this thing as a legacy for God. And you need to pick up where I left off. Dad's. What spiritual project, what spiritual legacy are you leaving for your kids to carry on 
after you're gone. Which brings us to the fifth. The fifth principle, moving from here to there, we find directly in this text, it's the idea of leaving a legacy. Drive toward death, signal strength, model masculinity, provide prosperity, leave a legacy. Start with the end in mind, right? The Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you'll never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. I want to leave us today with an action step. Are you driving toward death? Are you aiming to leave a legacy? Maybe, just maybe a piece of that is a line in the sand that needs to be drawn today. When you came in, dads, you were given one of those golf balls. I would invite you right now to grab that and to pull it out. I had this moment early in the week. There were some kids that were here serving, gearing up for VBS. On that was going to happen Monday night. They were here Monday during the day. I happened to have lunch with them, and I just asked them, "Hey, give me one word, one word to describe your dad." I love this. Prepared, one of them said. Funny, one of them said. Kind, one of them said. Now, before you get too full of yourselves, one of them said, "Crazy." The other one said, goofy, loving, patient, understanding, thoughtful, wise. But here's a question. You know your heart. You know your motivations. What word do you pick to describe yourself? And if you're really self-aware, if you're really willing to do some of that introspective work, you know, oh, nobody's perfect. What do you need to do to move from here to there? And I'm going to invite you right now, dads, grandpas, pick one word. We've got some Sharpie markers up here at the table. There's some tables there in the back as well. Here in a moment, we're all going to move. This is about movement. Would you pick up one of those Sharpie markers and write one word down that signals an action step for you and you know what it means? Maybe it's something you even want to write it in code. Because this is a moment of declaration between you and your God. You don't have to share this with anybody, but you know this is something you need to do. It's an action step that you need to make to move from here to there. We talked about mulligans a bit ago, do-over. You know, every week we celebrate an opportunity for a mulligan. We gather around the table of Jesus Christ. And we get a do-over. The slate gets wiped clean. We confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us those same sins. So this is a moment. It's a moment of movement for each and every one of us in this space. There's a moment of declaration for dads to write something down on a golf ball for all of us. If you've asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, gather around the table. I'm going to invite you to move forward or move backwards. Pick that element of communion. Bring it back to your seat. We're going to sing two songs. You've got time to do this as we worship. It's about movement. Some of us need to take a step closer of movement toward our family. All of us need to take a step closer of movement toward our God. Would you stand up with me right now? Let's worship. Him.